Hey, hey, listen close. If you've been hiding away your failures because you haven't had the courage to look at them and unpack what went wrong, I want you to know you are missing an insane opportunity to learn and to grow. Today, I'm sharing with you the three biggest lessons I learned from my first failed business. You're listening to the Start Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Chloe McKenzie, and I'm glad you're here for the epic conversations that will take you from aspiring to actualizing your dreams. Let's get started right now. Welcome to episode 10 of the Start Right Now podcast. Wow, holy moly, we are at episode 10 already. Thank you to you who are listening today, to the subscribers, those who are leaving me some awesome reviews and ratings. I appreciate it so much. We are well on our way to the first 1,000 downloads. Woohoo! Now, this is a baby milestone, but it is a milestone indeed, and I'm going to celebrate. So thank you for being here with me for the ride. Today, I'm going to take you back to when I was a wee one, a little baby entrepreneur making a ton of mistakes. I'm going to take you back to one of my first experiences as an optimistic, bright-eyed, new entrepreneur, because there's so much that I've learned from that experience that enables me to be so much better today, thank goodness. If you are a new entrepreneur or if you know anybody who is just starting a business, please share this episode with them because I'm about to dig into the three biggest lessons that came out of my first failed business. Now, I, I use the word failed specifically in terms of profitability, but It was a lesson indeed, and I took a lot away from it. So I'm going to take you back. The year was 2008. I was a frosh in university, excited, bright-eyed, optimistic, and really looking to get my first taste of running my own business. Now, I can't remember how I heard about the opportunity, but there were some recruiters around, and they were looking to take some ambitious entrepreneurial students under their wing and give them experience running their own business. They're literally canvassing our campus to find people who are the right fit, went through a whole interview process, and great, I was accepted. I'm ready to be trained. I'm ready to learn a ton. So what was the business, you ask? It was cleaning windows. I won't dress it up, even though they did. In the summertime, if you've ever seen those businesses that have teams of students that are cleaning windows, they're painting houses. Yeah, that's the type of business I was recruited for. I was sold on the opportunity to make way more money if I was willing to work hard that summer versus going back to a more typical part-time job in my hometown. And as an aspiring entrepreneur, I was excited. I was so hyped for this. It was going to be an amazing experience. So as a franchisee, Each of us would have our own territory that comes with a base of some previous customers, but this would be our region to own. It's our business to grow, get new customers, however we so choose. Now remember, 2008, this is at a time where social media and online advertising is not really a thing. Content creation is like not really a thing. So getting new customers and selling looked a lot like picking up their phone and cold calling, going door to door in the neighborhoods of my territory and begging family and friends to let me wash their windows at a discounted rate. So I was a teenager running a real franchise. I had to post 
job applications for my window techs. I had to recruit them, hire, train my staff. I had to get all the equipment and supplies I was going to need. I had to get a GST number. I had to do payroll, get a business credit card, do estimates, quotes. I had to do everything. Create flyers. Oh yeah, somewhere in there I was cleaning windows, but with no experience on any of these items above, what could really go wrong, right? There was a lot of things. Even though there are a lot of people that had a similar experience than I did, I do take full accountability for my results that summer, which, spoiler alert, I've already said is not so good. It was kind of a traumatic experience for me, I'm not going to lie. Imagine I'm so eager to test out this ambition I have to start a business and it ends up failing pretty badly. I can look back on it now and see all the important lessons and the growth and maturity I have when it comes to business-minded activities now, but I now have the maturity to see the major holes and I really want to share that with you today and be in service to you. So I'm laying it out all on the floor. Whether you're running a window cleaning business or not, I know these lessons are going to be helpful to anyone who is selling. A lot of these are really important sales lessons specifically. So let's get into it. The first mistake that I made in this business was that I didn't really understand what I was selling. Chloe, you just said you were running a window cleaning franchise. Yes, that is what I said. I was cleaning windows and eavesdrops. And that is what I was going door-to-door offering, but it didn't really click for me at the time to understand what I was really selling, what I should have been communicating every time I knocked on someone's door and picked up the phone. I should have been selling, be the best looking house on the block with sparkling clean windows. I should have been selling, this is the most inexpensive way to add curb appeal to your house in less than two hours. I should have been selling, you know, take care of that dust that's triggering your allergies, or you have a small child crawling around the house, make it a clean and safe environment for them by taking care of all that dirt that's built up in your sliding doors. As a business owner, how often do we get caught talking about the product features instead of the benefits? Now, for those of us who are even getting better at leading with the benefits, Are you leading with the benefits that are most important to that particular consumer in terms of their pain points and their core desires? Are you selling earrings or are you selling the opportunity to get noticed by the best looking guy in the room on your night out? Are you selling personal training or are you selling look and feel 10 years younger, transform your health so you can play with your kids, have the energy to keep your relationship spicy, if you know what I mean, wink, wink. Even on LinkedIn, if you don't have a business, let's say you are working in a job, you've got a LinkedIn profile, I hope. Are you selling your job history and your resume or are you selling your record of getting results and bringing value to the places that you have worked? This was a hugely important lesson especially as every industry is getting more cluttered with competition, your ability to convert sales and get followers and get people engaging with you and your brand, your ability to convert will be because you're able to identify what's important to your customers in terms of the benefit and to be able to effectively pitch that and pitch your product or service as a solution to that. So that was the first big lesson, knowing the value of what I was selling in terms of the benefits 
that were most important to that specific customer. You can imagine door-to-door selling, picking up the phone, cold calling. The rejection is a lot more in your face than, let's say, selling online and using social media these days to sell a service. You're getting a, a lot of no's right to your face. That brings me to the second big lesson that I learned. So here it is. The mistake I made is I had a number for the yeses I needed to hit during my selling activities, but I didn't plan for the no's that I was inevitably going to receive. I must say my rejection muscle is a lot stronger now than it was at this time in my first real business and selling experience. At that time, I was getting no after no after no, and I was leaving some of our shifts and days feeling so terrible and defeated and hard on myself. I would say that day for that shift, okay, I want to make sure I get three quotes done today so I have more leads in my customer base. I would knock on one door, first answer is a no. Knock on the second door, do you want an estimate? No, they don't. Knock on the third door, oh, another no. And as you can imagine, I was defeated pretty quickly. Definitely not motivated to knock on anyone else's door to sell my services. But you know what? It was because I didn't understand and really process that each yes to an estimate was going to be accompanied by 10 no's. We'll use 10 for the sake of the example, but a lot, a lot of no's relative to my one yes. And of course, you don't know what that number exactly is going to be, but I didn't really even have a baseline. I wasn't keeping track of anything I was doing differently when I got more yeses versus more no's. And ultimately, either way, I just wasn't planning for the rejection. Imagine if I knew and if you know in your business that for every yes, you need to get 10 no's, that that's just how it is. How excited would you be when someone said no? Because you would think, no? Awesome. Only nine more to go until I get a yes. No again? Sweet. Eight more to go. Let's keep these no's rolling. Imagine if that was your perspective. You know what else happens when you're willing to do the activity over and over and over and over and over again and get the no? Magic. You get better. You get better at getting the yes. You have no choice but to be better. You're practicing and you're seeing the activity as an opportunity to practice, to try a new spiel, a different tactic, see what resonates with people. And then, wow, the yeses just start to come more and more frequently. For you entrepreneurs out there, if you're on social media and you're totally depressed that you're posting and posting and not getting the engagement or conversions that you want, remember that not everything you ever do is going to sell. Every post won't get you a sale. It just won't. That's just business. So my question is, have you mentally planned for that? And are you prepared to show up for that no, knowing that you are practicing for the yes? Are you ready to take that as helpful feedback and make some tweaks for next time? I admit I am really just starting to get better at this, but when I put myself out there and mentally prepare for the no's, I can let it roll off my back, take feedback, make some tweaks, and be ready to try again the next time. Because you know what is worse than getting a no? What's worse is playing it safe and doing absolutely nothing, doing no activities that are going to lead to rejection 
and trying to spare yourself that rejection because you just missed an opportunity to learn and to get better. And it doesn't make you any closer to the yes. This is something you have to find a way to get comfortable with. And at the time I wasn't. So that was a big lesson. Lesson number two, make a plan that accounts for the no's and the yeses that you're going to get in your business activity. The third and last lesson that I'll share with you in this episode, because holy moly, there are lots of learnings I can share with you from all of my stumbles along the way, but this is a good one for today. So mistake number three and the lesson, I didn't know my numbers. If you're in business, if you are the head of a business, especially you have to know the numbers. You have to track the numbers to the dollar and to the cent. And you have to have a way to measure everything that's happening in your business. Ouch. I feel like I need to say this one louder for someone in the back. Know your numbers. Solopreneurs and owner operators especially really fall into this trap. You may start out using some of your own personal money to get things financed. And then lo and behold, down the road, there's no separation between your accounts, your personal money, and your business budget what's being spent in terms of hard costs and supplies. Even more so than the hard costs, as an owner operator, you need to be tracking your time, your labor. Are you keeping in mind the fact that your time is indeed money? And are there activities that are sucking your time, AKA costing you money and not actually generating revenue for your business? Generating profit, I should really underline. Not being clear on the numbers, for me, in my first business, showed up in a lot of ways. Remember, these were the days of cash businesses. Franchisees were not set up with e-transfers yet or online payments or, you know, use your phone to pay at somebody's doorstep. It was cash or check. At this stage, clarity for me on the numbers was as crystal as me saying, hmm, am I making like a bunch more than I spent? I know, very technical. So if I made $500 that day, could I afford to say buy a $10 lunch on the way home? I mean, when you hear it that way, sounds reasonable. Or I need a new piece of equipment or a new ladder that costs about what I would make in one job site and I can't do my job without it. Sounds reasonable for me to be able to make that purchase, right? Wowie, I learned a whole lot about cash flow in that summer, my friends. It's not that the costs were unreasonable, but I didn't understand how they were going to affect my profitability and my cash flow for that month. Because you know what I had to pay first? I had employees on payroll. I had over a 30% royalty to pay back to the franchise. I had GST. That $500 I made at the job site, that includes GST, which I have to pay back. I was dumbfounded on the days where I was making sales, but making no money. And truthfully, I became more and more afraid to look at the numbers. But you know what? I was the business owner and that means I was accountable. If this is you and you are not great with the numbers, but you want to be in business for real, invest in somebody to help you. Invest in working with an accountant to do your books. But most of all, get over the fear of looking at the bills, looking at the balance sheet and knowing exactly where you stand. Beyond just the sales that you're making, invest in analytics tools to understand your business numbers overall. Which products are most popular? Which ones are most profitable? Where are your traffic sources coming from? What do your leads all have in common? 
You can only make improvements if you're willing to measure what's getting done. And there are so many tools out there to do this. So don't skip this part. I know the creative part of the business and the making and the marketing is the sexy part. Yes. But you know what's sexier, awesomer? All the fun things you can buy when you know you have budget to buy it and you're not stressed about eating into your business profits every month. It might be ugly some months, but it will definitely be worth it. So a final recap on my three lessons for today. One, know what you're selling in terms of the benefits and make it personable to that particular customer. Two, know what activities you need to do to make a sale and consider all the things that you're going to do that will get you goose egg, zero, and crickets. And three, know your numbers, especially the numbers that will tell you if your business is profitable or not. We don't need to be running expensive hobbies these days. Let's do better and start leveling up what we're taking home through our businesses. So those were my three lessons for today from my first failed business. But I think the real lesson I want to leave with you today is be willing to look at the ugly, imperfect parts of your business or where you know you're not seeing the results that you want to have. Be resourceful and jump into finding ways that you can make steady, incremental improvements to improve the profitability of your business. If you want to connect with me, find me on Instagram at chloemckenzie.co and please leave me a review if you are loving these messages. The time is now. Start right now. 